Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Let us humbly confess our sins unto Almighty God. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou those, O God, who confess their faults. Restore thou those who are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind, in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life. Thy holy name. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolution and remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, open thou our lips. And our mouth shall show forth thy praise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now world without end. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Psalms 19 and 112, beginning on page 363. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. One day telleth another, and one night certifieth another. There is neither speech nor language, but their voices are heard among them. Their sound is gone out into all lands, and their words into the ends of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which cometh forth as a bridegroom out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a giant to run his course. It goeth forth from the uttermost part of the heaven, and runneth about unto the end of it again, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is an undefiled law converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, and giveth wisdom unto the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, and rejoice the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, and giveth light unto the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, and endureth forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant taught. Who can telleth how often he offendeth? O cleanse thou me from my secret faults. Keep thy servant also from presumptuous sins, lest they get the dominion over me. 
so shall I be undefiled and innocent from the great offense. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Psalm 112 Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord. He hath great delight in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon earth. The generation of the faithful shall be blessed. Riches and plenteousness shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Unto the godly there ariseth up light in the darkness. He is merciful, loving, and righteous. A good man is merciful and lendeth, and will guide his words with discretion. For he shall never be moved, and the righteous shall be had in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of any evil tidings, for his heart standeth fast and believeth in the Lord. His heart is established and will not shrink and dire upon his enemies. He hath dispersed abroad and given to the poor, and his righteousness remaineth for ever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. The ungodly shall see it, and it shall grieve him. He shall gnash with his teeth, and consume away the desire of the ungodly, shall perish. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here begins the twelfth verse of the twenty-eighth chapter of the book of Job. But where can wisdom be found, and where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its value, nor is it found in the land of the living. The deep says, it is not in me, and the sea says, it is not with me. It cannot be purchased for gold, nor can silver be weighed. It cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir, in precious onyx or sapphire. Neither gold nor crystal can equal it, nor can it be exchanged for jewelry of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or quartz. For the price of wisdom is above rubies. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. From where then does wisdom come, and where is the place of understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all living, and concealed from the birds of the air. Destruction and death say, we have heard a report about it with our ears. God understands its way, and he knows its place. For he looks to the ends of the earth, and sees under the whole heavens, to establish a weight for the wind, and apportion the waters by measure. When he made a law for the rain and a path for the thunderbolt, then he saw wisdom and declared it. He prepared it, indeed, he searched it out. And to man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil. My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowliness of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath magnified me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him throughout all generations. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seat and hath exalted the humble and meek. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He, remembering his mercy, hath holpen his servant Israel, as he promised to our forefathers Abraham and his seed. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, 
is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here begins the sixth verse of the of the sixth chapter of the first letter of Saint Timothy to Saint Timothy. Now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, to which you were also called, and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you, in the sight of God, who gives life to all things, and before Christ Jesus, who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless, until our Lord Jesus Christ's appearing, which he will manifest in his own time, he who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but to, in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. Here ends the second lesson. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace, according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, to be a light to lighten the Gentiles, and to be the glory of thy people Israel. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. O Lord, show thy mercy upon us. And grant us thy salvation. O Lord, save the state. And mercifully hear us when we call upon thee. And do thy ministers with righteousness. And make thy chosen people joyful. O Lord, save thy people. And time, O Lord. For it is thou, Lord, only that makest us dwell in safety. O God, may clean our hearts within us. And take not thy Holy Spirit from us. O Almighty God, who by thy blessed Son didst call Matthew from the receipt of custom to be an apostle and evangelist, 
Grant us grace to forsake all covetous desires and inordinate love of riches, and to follow the same thy Son, Jesus Christ, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, one God, world without end. Amen. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works do proceed, give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee, we being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness, through the merits of Jesus Christ. Amen. Light in our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord, and by thy great mercy defend us from all perils and dangers of this night, for the love of thy only Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Good evening to all. Happy St. Matthew's Day. Tonight we begin in our psalm readings, um, and we have a curious duo of psalms that together form a, a lens through which to look at our, the, our other lessons tonight. The first one in Psalm 19 is a reflection on the creation of the Lord and the, uh, in the this really beautiful um, sort of poetic expression. Let me get the words exactly right here in uh, the first verses of Psalm 19. One day telleth another, and one night certifieth another. There is neither speech nor language, but their voices are heard among them. Their sound is gone out into all lands, and their words to the end of the earth. This is a reflection of the first verse, the heavens declaring the glory of God, but doing so in a way where there is neither speech nor language, and yet their words are heard, which puts before us a provocative um, kind of uh, Po poetic paradox there, that without uh, the means by which we typically think of a, a communication, take speaking a word and one hearing it, receiving it, um, nevertheless, without that exchange, there is um, still a there's, there's still a, de a declaration being made. Um, and it seems that in the first verses of Psalm 19, that the heavens are declaring these things mostly to each other. Um, and that's the, the curious thing. Uh, often when I was um, in, in, a, in a season around like apolog apologetics-oriented uh, Christians, uh, this verse would get kind of trotted out a, a lot to talk about the, the, the revelation that is uh, detectable in the natural creation, and that's, there's a good point to be made there. Um, but typically that was focused on how the heavens sort of are speaking something to, to mankind. Um, and uh, Psalm 19, at least the, the first verses of it, um, are, are, are kind of peering into a, to a conversation that doesn't seem immediately to be for us, um, which is a curious thing. Um, and so the heavens are declaring this, you know, to, the, declaring the glory of God one to the other. And it's, it's in indicative, it's sort of a, a reminiscent of that scene from Isaiah, where Isaiah is welcomed into the throne room of God and the seraphim are circula circling the throne of God and crying out, as the text says, to one another, the holiness of God, the saying, holy, holy, holy. Um, and this, there is this, uh, you know, kind of in the parallelism of those things, there is this sense that, um, that the world is, you know, it, while it, you know, we have a privileged place in this world as human beings, um, that the world is, is having its own conversation at a, a, you know, as well. Um, and that we can sort of be participants to it, but, uh, but that it's not always for us immediately. The psalmist leads us as the, as the one reading this prayer um, into a kind of um, quiet and attentive and polite um, listening in on the conversation that the heavens are having with one another and certifying the glory of God to one another. Um, and as the night and the day 
uh, do this, um, we get the image that as the uh, sort of the night has its season of glorifying God and then hands it over to the day. And then the day glorifies God and hands it over to the night. And they're kind of like checking out, like signing off the, the manifest of, all right, we've, we've declared the glory of God and passed it along. And why we spend time with that to, to draw that out is significant because the wisdom and the statutes and the commandments and really the, in summary, the law of God that is uh, declared by the heavens, declaring his glory um, and the ordering of the of the creation, communicate the character, the glory, the law, the wisdom of God um, is no accident. Um, and it but it also requires a posture, a kind of contemplative posture um, that doesn't seek it as a kind of intruder into the conversation that then tries to kind of rip away the thing that's useful for us uh, in that moment and then go off with it. Um, instead, what we're invited into in this psalm is a, is a, is a the posture of humility that makes us attentive and, and lis attentive listeners um, to the heavens declaring the glory of God to one another, to the night and the day, um, and doing so continuously over time. And this is what ultimately, uh, you know, is what is found to be wisdom, is to comprehend the thing in its entire life from beginning to end, from day to night, um, from imagery of Job, when we ask this continue, we, we ask this repeated, um, you know, question, what, where is wisdom found? Ultimately, it is only known by God because only God knows the true beginning and the true end of any given thing. Um, and so he sees the whole path of the lightning bolt as it is carved in the sky. And we think about this as this, you know, impossibly fast occurrence. But we the the poetry of Job invites us into thinking of, you know, God tracing out a unique path for every lightning bolt. And when we think about it, that's exactly right. Although lightning may strike in the same place twice, although it is rare, it doesn't strike in the same pathway twice, um, and which is, you know, it doesn't ever follow the same exact path. And so. The image of God tracing out creatively all these different pathways for the lightning is yet one more expression of his profound wisdom and his his profound memory and his profound um, understanding of, of, of all these things from their true beginning to their true end. Um, and ultimately, what fear of the Lord is, although it does encompass a degree of um, of being wary, of the, of bewaring um, the, the the occasion of offending such a God. Um, nevertheless, wisdom is cultivated insofar as we take our seat in humility and look without an agenda on the things that God has made and the things that God has declared himself and the things we have seen God do. And so this puts us continually in need of, of, of coming to, as we do as a practice in community day and night, coming to the scriptures again. Um, and being ref and, and witnessing again these, these uh, testimonies of what the Lord has done among his chosen people throughout the generations. Why is that significant? It's not because we're going to, you know, sort of grab a little moral of the story every time and then kind of, you know, easily, you know, glom it onto some portion of our life. What we're primarily invited to do and to meditate on these things is to enter into them in the situation that they that these these records, these testimonies arose. Um, and that is what the fear of the Lord, you know, really means to one who has been converted in the heart and had, has come with repentance before the Lord. His mercy is not only that you've done something wrong and I'm not going to punish you for it. It's instead a continuous help that after that moment of absolution is then offered. And it's significant for us because um, what it invites a, a meditation to the deeper things. Um, beyond the the anxious demands of the of the surface 
demands of the world. And this is why in St. Paul's letter, we get this sense that, um, that you know, we have to, there's a, there's a continuous warning in the scriptures issued to those who put their trust in wealth. Wealth being one of those things in this world um, that has a powerful superficial quality to it and a, a powerful superficial attraction to it. Um, and that grabs the attention. You know, we all remember from the children, from our children's stories, right? The problem of the dragon is that it's too given to gold and to hoarding gold. And it doesn't particularly want to buy a bunch of things with that gold. It just is um, of the gold. And that's an excellent image. We don't want to be little dragons running around, um, but we can become enamored with things that promise us um, a kind of um, titillating uh, sense of power. Uh, and that is the enticement of wealth and why it becomes the root of all kinds of evil, as St. Paul says, because um, that which um, can entice us into a, a way of relating to the, to the world around us and to the people around us and ultimately to God in a way that forms us in a superficial allurement and in a superficial satisfaction, uh, we cannot possibly attain to the wisdom of God that can quiet and quiet the heart, that can give peace and rest to the heart because that those things can only be sought over time as we are led gently through the continuous help of a help of God as those who know they need that help into the deeper things that make us see the true beginning, the true end, the true height, the true depth. And as we do that, we become those kinds of people that um, you know are no longer as moved by the superficial things. That's why St. Paul doesn't just say to St. Timothy, don't get enticed by wealth, and don't let others get enticed by wealth, but instead seek those deeper things. Contend for the faith that was entrusted to you. Because as you do that, these other, these superficial delights, they will fall by the wayside. And of course, we tie this all together because we are celebrating on this, on this wonderful day, this uh, patronal feast day for a lot of us, for our church, um, how St. Matthew um, was willing to leave behind those, those temporal and superficial enticements in order to follow a rabbi he had just met um, and, and without any knowledge of the life that would unfold from it. And yet in being willing to posture, to enter a posture of humility as a disciple, he became an apostle and a prince of the church. And his name is, we remember his name, his life, his ministry in this way, because he made that choice. He made the choice not to settle for those, those surface enticements, but instead contended for the faith that he could not yet perceive at the beginning, but nevertheless was revealed. So we pray for the grace to do likewise. And we'll turn our attention now to our intercession on page 590. Let us pray. Accept, O Lord, our intercessions for all mankind. Let the light of thy gospel shine upon all nations, and may as many as have received it live as becomes it. Be gracious unto thy church and grant that every member of the same in his vocation and ministry may serve thee faithfully. Bless all in authority over us, and so rule their hearts and strengthen their hands, that they may punish wickedness and vice and maintain thy true religion, and send down thy blessings, temporal and spiritual, upon all our relations, friends, and neighbors. Reward all who have done us good, and pardon all those who have done or wish us evil, and give them repentance and better minds. Be merciful to all who are in any trouble.
and do thou, the God of pity, administer to them according to their several necessities. For his sake who went about doing good, thy Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with us all evermore. Amen. Thank you all so much for being here tonight. And thanks to Barbara and Aaliyah, my co-leaders tonight. Hope you have a wonderful evening and happy St. Matthew's Day. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Good night, everybody. Good night. Thank you, Father Hayden.